It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? You know? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is Dave Shivari of Terry Universal, and more notably of El Nino fame. We did this interview a few weeks ago in preparation for their Terry Universal's debut album, Make Them Bleed, which is out now as of today of me recording this uh, via Minus Head Records. I also want to give a shout-out in the intro to Natalie from Adrenaline PR for also setting this interview up. If you actually checked out last week's episode with Justin Graves of Vexus, uh, since the episode has actually gone up, I know I mentioned it in the intro and and everywhere I plug the uh, episode itself, but they actually landed a spot on the Devil's Dozen on Sirius XM Liquid Metal Station over there uh, on Sirius. I know it was a bit redundant, but... Uh, shout out to them for getting the success of their new song, Hellion, which is the song that ends that episode, actually. Uh, we did something a little different and played two songs. Uh, we played their single, Lift, and as well as Hellion. So, huge shout out to the dudes in Vexus. Huge shout out to Natalie from Adrenal PR for setting up not only that episode with Justin, but this one with Dave as well. Uh, Dave couldn't have been any nicer. He, interestingly enough, uh, the initial time of us trying to do the interview, Dave was actually drying, driving and was going to pull off to the side of the road to do my chat. And uh, I just said, go ahead and uh, let's uh, go ahead and let you get stopped and we'll do the chat. So first time I've actually had someone be on the road and literally pull over to chat with me for about a half hour or so. Um, it's pretty interesting, you know, growing up and talking to a lot of these different band people I've gotten to talk to, like Dave, you know, I grew up listening to El Nino when they first came out, their first uh, record that was on Roadrunner, the Revolution, Revolution record was a heavy rotation. Obviously the Freddy versus Jason, um, you know, just, just a band that I... I played a lot when I was in my early teens, you know, high school age and so forth. And it's kind of crazy to kind of get to talk to some of these people. And, you know, as I've gotten older and realized what Dave has done, you know, being in Soulfly at one point, being in a lot of these bands before he was even in Soulfly, it's just kind of crazy to get to talk to some of these people that I've I've known of or long admired for, you know, 10, 15 years uh, so it was kind of crazy to, to talk to Dave for a little bit. And his project here, Universal, is an interesting project. Um, I remember when it came out, a friend of ours, he had been asked to be a part of, of this band when it was still just kind of a an idea that hadn't been fleshed out. And if it sounds like I'm being vague, it is because I'm being vague because this is a project that the members outside of Dave have not been announced. Uh, we don't announce anybody on this episode at all, uh, but you do get a little glimpse uh, as to potentially when the band will say who was contributing to what on this this record. Um, but with that being said, this is a, a band that I've actually known about its existence before the band even came out with anything just due to our mutual friends uh, that were, you know, potentially asked to be involved in this project. And when my friend kind of had explained to me what the project was going to be and the fact that they were going to wear masks and kind of be more of like a horror themed lyrically uh, and I guess visually, it was one of those things where I kind of saw the the potential for it to be a really cool like 
artist collective of sorts because if you don't have any set members then you can have a lot of people coming in you know laying down working on a song doing whatever it's something that in the hip-hop world and shit like that happens all the fucking time like like an artist will work with you know a different producer or you know people will guest on tracks and so forth and you know and it leads to really interesting creative uh outputs by a lot of different people it exposes people to different artists maybe that they wouldn't have known about but i don't really see that happening a ton in in the rock world or in the you know heavy metal world at all so the idea of doing a project that doesn't really have any set members is kind of interesting and intriguing and, I, and i'm kind of excited to find out who actually worked on this record and in and, and what capacity these people were involved in the project itself um so i'm hoping dave uh will eventually shed light on who was contributing to what as it stands, uh, the record has been touted to have John Moyer from Disturbed and Tony Campos uh, of a lot of bands as well uh, contribute to a song or two on these records. Uh, we talk about that just a little bit uh, in this interview. Um, kind of shifting a little bit, though, speaking of interviews, I actually had the pleasure of, as of last night of when I'm recording this, I uh, did a really awesome chat with Dave Buckner, formerly a Papa Roach. I didn't know how it was going to go because sometimes when you do some of these conversations with people, uh, especially if they're not in a band currently or have anything to promote, it's kind of interesting to find out what they're willing to talk about. Uh, and with Dave, like, you know, I basically had said I really wanted to talk about Love Hate Tragedy, which is one of my favorite records from the Papa Roach catalog. And we ended up talking for about two hours, and it was just really awesome. And I just really want to thank Dave for doing it. I'm going to probably heap a lot of praise on him in the intro to that episode when it comes out. Kind of switching gears a little bit, the playoffs, the football playoffs are upon us. Uh, interestingly enough, if you, those of you who listen and are into sports, uh, if you ended up watching that Pittsburgh Steelers game uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, which was a fucking crazy game. The it was interesting to see their player. Uh, Shab, I think it's Shabazz. Shab, Shab, can't, God, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Um, but basically, the the player they got injured and was watching from one of the press boxes. He was wearing a shirt from a company called the Shop Four One Two or Shop Four Twelve, and uh, it's a Pittsburgh company. And he was wearing a shirt that said Shaliv. I believe that's his last name actually. And what was interesting was we print stuff at my job for for that company. So I switched departments now, so I don't see a lot of the stuff that goes on the presses that we're printing. But I was 99% sure that we printed those shirts. And boy, did we print those shirts because I had to pick about 6,000 <laughs> shirts uh, for us to print for making those. So uh, it's kind of cool to watch... Uh, mainstream media and see something that you know is a part of my day-to-day -day job being broadcast uh you know I, I was watching some stupid reality show that my wife enjoys and i noticed that one of the people in the background was actually wearing another shirt that came from our shop uh about a year and a half ago so it's kind of cool to actually have a day-to-day -day job your nine to five where the stuff you're doing is sort of directly impacting you know your current culture uh, but the whole point of me even bringing up the, the NFL playoffs is uh, I ended up going to bed really early today as of when I'm recording this, which is technically Saturday, uh, in anticipation of getting this episode out on Monday. 
So, or even maybe late Sunday, I haven't decided. But the gist of it is, is I went to bed really early because of doing the Dave Buckner episode. I was up until about 2.30 and I had to be to work uh, a few hours later. So uh, I was pretty tired and I ended up uh, going to bed, like I said. And then upon waking up, I noticed that there's been a big controversy about the NFL promoting a contest with somebody else to win tickets to go to the Super Bowl this year, which is in Minnesota. And after much speculation, you know, a lot of times teams will, they'll just use teams to promote the, you know, the Super Bowl or things. And, you know, a lot of times it'll be Tom Brady or the Patriots at this point that they're using as promotional material. And it was interesting to see that they're promoting the Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Vikings. And typically I try not to necessarily bring up super current things because it kind of dates these episodes. But on the flip side of that, what I wanted to do when I saw that was I wanted to mention it because in the event that the Patriots and the Vikings actually end up in the Super Bowl, first of all, it would be rad because it's the first time it would be the first time that any team that makes the Super Bowl is playing in the home stadium of where they play. The Super Bowl is in Minnesota this year. So uh, I'm actually really pulling for a Minnesota team to make it to the not any Minnesota team, the Vikings to make it to the Super Bowl just to see a home team play a Super Bowl in their home stadium for the first time. Um, that being said, outside of that, I really don't care who makes the Super Bowl. I mean, the Vikings, to me, after that amazing come-from-behind win uh, last weekend, I mean, <laughs> they might as well have won the Super Bowl at that point the way they celebrated. So uh, anything after that, I guess, is just icing on the cake. But I would like to see the home team play in the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, so I'm interested to see what happens. Interestingly enough, the post was taken down, but not after everybody screenshotted it, started sharing it, saying that the NFL is fixed, which, you know, enough speculation has been made that you know, games are rigged or there's the outcomes are, are pre-planned a certain way to, to boost ratings, to get people talking and so forth. Uh, I know a lot of people have said that basically the Patriots whole playoff run and the wins to get them into the playoffs at the very end with the number one seed or whatever. Uh, there was a lot of controversy around it with touchdowns being taken away from other teams that would have beaten the Patriots. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I find it funny that people say that the Patriots are basically getting fixes in to win to get them to the Super Bowl after a year of where Tom two years removed away from deflate gate and a year removed from uh, what affectionately has been referred to as the kill em all tour of Tom Brady coming in after his four game suspension last year and just fucking killing everybody <laughs> on the way to another Super Bowl. Uh, but the fact that Roger Goodell didn't seemingly have anything good to say or doesn't really seem to be a Patriots fan kind of makes me second guess that the NFL is fixing games for the Patriots to win. Um, so interesting, interested to see how that pans out. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to be ended up um, trying to set up a date to talk about the NBA playoff or NBA with Doc Coyle uh, here pretty soon. Uh, but what's interesting is, you know, I love sports. I'm an avid sports fan, uh, you know, of all kinds. And what's always funny is I listen to a lot of other music podcasts, and I know that people are interested in music and sports. They kind of go hand in hand. But what's interesting is when you talk to a musician or someone who's heavily involved in music, I should say, and you start talking sports, they get really like, oh, I, I fucking hate sports. But on the flip side of that, 
when I like because you know growing up when I was in high school I loved music and sports but growing up most people didn't like music like I did so I was you know on the track team I played football I wrestled I played basketball all that kind of stuff and it was one of those things like I never had anybody on any of the teams that I played with that were into music like as much as I was so it was always this thing where there was such separation of my two passions and my two loves and now that I'm out in the real world, quote unquote, I find it interesting that I don't really find people who are into both as much as me. It's either you like sports but don't really like music or you like music but don't really like sports. So I'm trying to trying to get, you know, different people on, maybe different musicians to actually give, come on and talk sports because I think it's interesting to have someone who's already passionate about one thing like I am that's also shares a passion in another thing so really interested to get Doc Coyle on in the next uh, handful of weeks maybe a month or so from now we're waiting for the NBA All-Star weekend to happen so that way we can kind of talk about the NBA where it's at in the mid-season form some of the stories that <laughs> that have happened uh, most recent <laughs> most recently the uh Houston Rockets lost to the Clippers, and apparently Chris Paul and James Harden and Trevor Ariza thought it was a good idea to go over to the Clippers locker room and confront them after the loss, something I've never heard of. Uh, but those who know, basically other than a handful of people like Ron Artest or maybe even like a Dennis Rodman, uh, most N NBA players are, are pretty soft as far as confrontations and such go so the the fact that three players went over to another locker room to start shit i think is very amusing because uh i read one article and the reporter basically was like you know most like most nba players nothing happened because no one wants to get into a fight um so there's been some interesting developments uh all season long uh, so I'm really interested to talk with somebody that is even a contributor to the NBA as far as writing and has had uh, beat writers on his own podcast. Doc Coyle once again has a podcast called the X-Men Podcast, and it's, uh, it's a great podcast. He's doing something like kind of like I've been doing over here where he gets people of all kinds of uh, backgrounds, whether like the most recent episodes with, with, was with an entertainment lawyer. Uh, he's had producers on. He had Steve Evans on as well. Uh, he's had people from different kinds of bands uh, I just love the fact that he's kind of going all over the board with everything and kind of very much being like myself where it's not one type of guest uh, in one genre of music um, so I really enjoy the fact that Doc has kind of got a, a new platform to kind of share his many interests and uh, one of those being the NBA so I'm really interested to have Doc come on and, and talk some NBA talk some shit maybe uh, get an idea maybe place a bet on who will win the NBA championship. Uh, there's a lot going on. Some people are out. Kawhi Leonard just went down indefinitely, uh, which I had to laugh about that because, again, with music and sports kind of being very hand-in-hand -in, -hand in a lot of instances, when I see a post that says Kawhi Leonard is out with on an indefinite hiatus or indefinite, indefinitely, uh, this season, all I can ever think about is those bands who go on an indefinite hiatus, but then come back within, you know, a year. So it's <laughs> it's kind of funny to see some of the same terminology being thrown around between the two worlds and kind of thinking like, oh, I can't wait for the Kawhi Leonard uh, reunion tour uh, or things like that. So I'm going to go ahead and shut up now and I'm going to get to my chat with Dave Shivari of Terry Universal. Talk to you in the outro.
So I have the pleasure of talking with Dave Shivari, a.k.a. Massacre of the band Terror Universal, and a little more well-known for being one of the many percussionists in Il Nino, and a slew of other bands if anyone wants to go do their homework and find out uh, how hard-working Dave has been over the last 20-some-odd years, at least. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Hey, brother. How are you, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we so- are... We are on the eve, roughly, of Terror Universal getting ready to drop their debut album. It comes out on the 19th of this month of January. And I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about Terror Universal as a whole. What spurned the the initial idea for a new project and how it would become Terror Universal as a whole? Well, you know, uh, as we were uh, finishing the cycle with an El Nino album, uh, I was just basically writing music with uh, my guitar player in the band with uh, as you guys know him I can't tell you his name but <laughs> as you guys know him as, as Thrax and uh, Thrax and I were writing music and uh, we were like hey you know this, this stuff is beginning to sound very different than anything we have done in the past and very cool it had a cool vibe and uh, we're like hey, look, let's you know let's see if we can create something new, something different. And uh, as the music started taking form, it had a very dark twist to it, and it had a, you know, a lot of attitude, but it was, uh, some parts were really melodic also, you know, so it was crossing a lot of different boundaries. And, uh, you know, we decided to, uh, to, to do a mask band. I think that it would be, it would be something different that I've never done in my career. Uh, I've been doing this for 33 years, and you know, and, and like you mentioned before, you know, I play with bands like Soulfly, and and you know, and I play currently in El Nino. I started that band in '99, and uh, I've Propane and a bunch of other bands. And uh, you know, reality is, I wanted to do something different that I had never done before. I played hardcore before. I played metal. I played power metal. I played, you know. Uh, just really heavy stuff, Latin metal. So, um, wanted to try something new, and uh, decided to do it with a mass band. And we thought the name Terror Universal was great. How horror and metal go together, you know? Uh, that's what we decided to do. Out of curiosity, I would assume you're a, a big horror fan yourself. Movies? Totally, man. Huge. What? Uh, what are? Are there any? maybe lyrical concepts or concepts for the band or even into the, the, the designs of the mask? Was there any films in particular or styles that you kind you of know, it, emulate? It, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. For Massacre, which if you look at the mask, it's basically, it's flesh. It's a whole base of flesh with, right. uh, you could see on the left side of the mask, there's a piece of skull. And that came to me from a movie that I saw in the 80s, believe it or not. You probably you weren't born. I was born in uh, 84, so it got me a couple, a couple years. Okay. Maybe you, you, were just, you were just a gleam in your dad's eye at the time, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I was checking out a couple of movies. I can't, re- I can't remember the name of the movie, but I saw this movie where the guy uh, it was some kind of... Uh, some kind of really, really grotesque face. And it was a guy that had been in a fire. And his whole face was like flesh. And he had a piece of bone shown. And, and that kind of inspired me. Uh, there was a scene when he came out. 
after he was in a fire, like uh, they took bandages off him. He became like a, like an evil villain type of thing. And I still can't remember the movie, but uh, I was a kid. And uh, when I saw the first time he took the bandages off, I thought it was disgusting. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this is absolutely fucking gross, you know? And that always kept, left a kind of like a, you know. Lasting image a, in your mind? stamp, I guess. Yeah, in my mind. And, you know, when I was creating the masks, uh, I spoke to the artist named Anthony Carbone. He works with, uh, you know, with Walt Disney and a bunch of other uh, big companies in, in Orlando. He created the mask with me. And uh, when I was designing it with him, I was basically like, I explained it to him. I kind of drew it with my sh shitty chicken scratch because I'm a <laughs> terrible drawer, you know. I couldn't draw fucking stick figures. And uh, I sent it, sent him the, you know, the drawing. And then I called, talked to him, and I said, this is what I'm looking for. And I said, picture a person that's been through a fire, and everything's melted off their face. And including you're, seeing, you're beginning to see bone, a part of their cranium, you know. And he's like, wow, that's pretty fucking, pretty dark. And I said, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But, uh, and then he came up, you know, uh, with something from, from my direction, and uh, I thought it was really cool. And it stuck, and it was awesome. So I, I kind of have got to wonder... When I mean, I know how hard it is just to start a band in general, uh, having been in a few in my day, and I make it sound like I'm older than you, <laughs> but with that being said, I know how hard it is to just get, you know, four or five people in a room and, and mesh on an idea, but, you know, something that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think of is, is how much an image plays into bands, so how hard it, was it to get other people involved in this when, with there being the concept of like, hey, we're going to play in mass and this is going to kind of be what we do for this band, the entity that will become this band for Terror Universal. As my guitar, as my guitar player Thrax and I uh, were forming the band, um, we were, you know, looking to do this, and that was one of the stipulations about of being in the band, and that was one of the stipulations about the people that we reached out to, to be in the band with us, that this is what we wanted to do. Uh, it wasn't really a negotiation where it's like, hey, you know, would you please wear the mask. It was more like, this is what we want to do. We really want to do a mask band that, uh, you know, has attitude and, and, and it's, it just lives up to, to a horror metal band, you know? And uh, we want to portray it with our, our, our videos to be like mini horror movies and everything, everything that smells and looks like horror, you know? Right. I, uh, I also have wondered what was it like before you guys started playing out live, what was it like rehearsing with the mask on? Like, what was the uh, sort of it was, for? it was fucking really weird at first. Okay, this is the way it stages. First is fucking weird. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then the weird thing is like when you look at each other in a in a regular band when you you're in a rehearsal room or live, you kind of feed off each other's facial expressions. Right. You know, like you're about to get into a real heavy part or you're going to mellow it out or whatever you end up doing. There's an energy, there's a certain energy and uh, facial expression between band members. Yeah. Well, that was fucking gone because there is no <laughs> facial expression. Right. There's a, you know, there's a piece of latex in your face and they, they, you could be saying fuck you to them under their breath and I fucking hate you and it doesn't matter because they don't know what you're saying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... That was number one. That was the weird thing. Number two, it was hot as fuck. 
I was like, holy shit, man. You know, it, it brought your entire body temperature up by like 15 to 20 degrees. And for those who don't know, stage lighting's not really the coldest thing to begin with, so. No, it's a regular stage, you know, if you, let's say you're at 70 degrees, 75 degrees, a regular stage is about 20 degrees hotter. Yeah. Uh, to 25 degrees hotter. And then after that, now you're adding, you know, the math. So it's, it's fucking hot, man. It's brutal. Um, so besides that, it's, it's a very cool feeling. It's a very freeing feeling, you know. Uh, you kind of have to, you have to fit yourself into a new uh, format, into a new attitude, and you have to become the character. And, uh, and that's, just, that's cool in itself, you know. It was a cool thing that, to be able to, to do that and to become that, for sure. You know, it's interesting. You say that you're talking about a, a character, and I'm kind of just thinking off the top of my head, what goes into the mental aspect of that, like getting ready to be that person, and then how long does it take you to come out of it? You know, there's not much preparation once you, once you are, uh, are, are set into it, and, and you know exactly what what you want to do, how you want to become it. I think it's second nature, just like anything else. Uh, one person that is absolutely creepy as fuck is my singer Plague. Uh, man, he's he's so perfect for this for this band. It's it's um, it's like he was born into it. Um, he is just a really cre- he. He even creeps me out before we go on stage, <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating or making it up or trying to blow it up. He looks at me with his face, and I'm like, "Man, you are fucking one creepy bastard." And he's like, "Thanks, you know." <laughs> and then that's probably why he got one of the reasons he ended up getting the job. Then. Yep. Totally. Um, so we've already made mention that uh, "Make Them Bleed" your debut album coming out uh, on the 19th of January. With it being two weeks away, what are you most looking forward to about this record finally coming out? I know you've been working on it for a little while. I've been working on it for a while. You know, we are extremely happy with the album. Um, I think that it's, 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 you know, it's getting the, the stuff that we have put out. It's getting amazing response. And uh, it's just been, you know, we have a couple of reviews already, and the reviews have been fucking awesome. And uh, so far, so good. You know, we are pumped. We're pumped to, to, to do this. We have a show on the, album, the day of the album release, uh, being that uh, I live in Dallas, Texas. Um, we have an album release on Dallas, Texas on, on the 19th, and out of the show. Um, and uh, then we also have another album release in Los Angeles at the Whiskey A Go-Go on June 24th. And uh, we're looking forward to doing these shows, and then we are shortly going to be announcing a slew of tours uh, for Australia, Europe, and the United States. You know, in listening to the few, the three songs that you've got out currently for this record, I was trying to think of... It's, it's kind of interesting because a lot of times when you hear a, a more heavier band, you kind of can go, okay, this band would go well with this kind of a package. And in listening to the three songs, I was like, well, you know, this band, you know, Terror Universal could go on with a, you know, like a Combi Christ kind of sort of industrial kind of vibe as far as some of the aesthetics. But then there's even stuff where I'm like, they could go out with like a a metalcore kind of band like you're, you're very wide ranging in, in styles that i think yeah i mean we could go we could go out with suicide silence we can go out with in this moment we can go out with rob zombie we can go out with you know ministry uh we can go out with basically anybody you know like uh we are just a horror metal band i mean just the image of the band 
uh, we're a very musical band. We don't try to have any limits, and we want don't want to have limits. You know, music is about freedom, and music is about writing music because it's it's metal is has attitude and is uh, you know it's anthemic, and uh, that's what we happy to do on this album thank you know and we're very proud of the album and uh everyone in my band is very proud of the album speaking of the album itself are there any i always like kind of behind the scenes stuff as far as you know either short films or even just stories people tell so i'm kind of interested in in what was it like making this record are there any interesting stories like a song maybe that you know like took like was maybe the first song you started writing but took the longest to complete just because you couldn't get it figured uh, out you know welcome to hell was the first song we ever wrote and uh, it's one of my favorite songs still to this day. Uh, it has all the elements for what makes uh, Terror Universal. Uh, the exciting parts of this album was, you know, that we had uh, some really good friends of mine uh, guests on the album. You know, we had uh, Tony Campos play on the album, and he's been a friend of mine since, the, you know, we used to do all the news on tour with Static X. And, uh, you know, he comes from some huge bands, you know. He's played in Salsa, he's played in Ministry, uh, Fear Factory, uh, you know, Assassino. I mean, he's just a, 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 an icon, metal bass, bassist. And when I asked him to be on the record, he was more than, than, than pleased and he was psyched to do it. And I was psyched to do it too. And, uh, and then, you know, to, to our surprise, we sent music out to, to John. Uh, also from uh, Disturbed, you know? Right. And uh, John was, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, and he's a phenomenal bass player. And, you know, when we I reached out to him and sent him the song, and I sent him the song called Spines, which is our uh, kind of our active rock single okay. for the album. And uh, John was, you know... Dude, it was like we sent him the song, and he was like, "Hey, man, you should be very proud of this song because it's a great song. I think that you know your singer sounds amazing with it, and uh, you know, it, it was just cool, man, all around. You know." Kind of in speaking about you know John and Tony coming in and helping you guys with a couple of songs, something that I have kind of thought was interesting about the band is you don't say who's in the band and i've kind of wondered if this is because you don't with it being a new band you don't want listeners especially if it's coming from you know the the cliche thing a lot of people in the industry do is featuring members of or for fans of and stuff like that and then just kind of try to give people an idea of what it's supposed to be and i'm wondering if this was a an a, a an attempt to basically not have that happen so people won't go oh well if it has people from this band this band and this band it's supposed to sound like this you know you're very correct in the sense that we don't want people to to pigeonhole us into being uh, a, a certain type of band. You know, we wanted to do uh, to whatever we wanted. We wanted it to be heavy. We wanted it to have you know memorable choruses. We didn't want to write a song that nobody would remember or nobody you know. And we wanted to have slam dance parts where people can go off to and pit to. Um, with that said, you know, we uh, definitely attempted to not let anybody know who we were in the band um only reason why everybody knows that uh, you know it's me that's massacres because people found out very early on in the game you know they started basically saying hey that's dave from el nino and uh and so and whatnot and um 
that's the only reason. But I mean, other than that, you know, we we did want to keep it uh, kind of quiet until the album drops, and I think that uh, shortly into the year we'll let everybody know who's behind the mask. It's kind of interesting because something I was thinking of when when I was thinking of how cool it is to kind of have there be a little mystery as to who's involved is it kind of reminds me of, and I know they're a little more forthcoming with it, but like pig face. And I know it's not necessarily the same style of music, but I mean, that that's a group that basically just has, you know, I think over a hundred members technically in, in the group. And at any point, even in a touring, you know, condition or situation, I should say, uh, you know, you don't know who you're going to get. You know, that Mark and Ack or, Martin Atkins, I think, uh, is like the main guy that's going to be there that runs everything. But beyond that, like, you don't know who you're going to get. You just know that you like you enjoy the music and it's going to be a, a good show. So I, I kind of think that it's really yeah. interesting that you guys are kind of rolling with the the more of the secrecy to kind of add build the intrigue and, and so forth. And especially in a day and age, like I've kind of said this on this podcast a few times that you know I remember when bands basically came out with a song. And that was it. That was all you got until you bought a record. And you and it seems like now, you know, so many bands, you know, there's the the promotional single, the actual single. Then there's maybe a lyric video in bef- in between, you know, the next single. And it's just like it's almost seeming like sat- oversaturation. And I know you've yeah. been in the game for a long time, so it's just kind of interesting to, to see, you know, someone kind of go back to what it used to be uh, when, you know, when even I was growing up. And I know it was the same for you because – you know, back then there wasn't the internet and there really wasn't a whole lot of publications to do a ton of interviews that you could get to. So it's like, you know, you, any little bit of information you could find out about a band that you were into was like, you know, like a really like awesome. And you're like, Oh, did you know this? Like, I just read this. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm going to kind of wrap this up. What does, I mean, I know you just kind of were talking about some of the touring that you're looking forward to doing. Um, what does 2018 look like for you guys, though? Are you going to be hitting the road pretty hard all year, or is this going to be kind of yeah, like... Yeah, no, we're going uh, I'm, I'm, uh, we're going to be living on the road. Uh, we are uh, going to announce dates for March, uh, April, May, June, July, September, and October for 2018. I mean, this is going to be touring everywhere. We are going back to Australia uh, on a headline run. We are be doing Europe, um, announcing Europe as well as doing festival uh, fest- festival run in August in Europe, and uh, we're doing uh, two American tours back to back in promote promoting the album. So we definitely not going to be shying away from being on the road. We're going to be on the road quite a while. Something I had kind of wondered too. With I know you manage both excuse me, El Nino and Terry Universal, and with you having been in the industry for so long, I was kind of wondering, and when you were approaching this band, how, because you haven't started, as far as I know, haven't started a new project like this in a very long time, so I wondered if there was a kind of a learning curve to starting a new band in today's you know music industry, the way everything has kind of changed with it being more of a digital age and people being kind of uh, ADD of sorts. You know, sometimes it's uh, it's better to be a little bit choosy. Uh, if you're an up- upcoming band and you're starting out, I think that sometimes, you know, you, you may think that it's better to go out and play uh, on a tour, let's say, you know, and tour on your own and, and play in front of 10 people a night. But uh, reality is you probably get more fans and more attention by doing a, a kick-ass video right. and reaching out more people, you know, 
uh, via, via you know, your website or, you know, on social media. Uh, but other than that, I think playing is very important. I mean, play live. I mean, even if people, you know, you don't think people are going to come see you, uh, the start of every band is about playing live as many times as you can. And, that, you know, even if, if you have 20 people coming one show and 50 people coming the next show and 300 in the next show, reality is that your band's going to get tighter and your band's it's going to become, everything's going to become second nature being on stage. And that's very important for a band to gel that way. No, for sure. Um, so in wrapping up, uh, I usually like to have the guest uh, plug their socials uh, for the band or whatever. So where can people find Terror Universal? Uh, Terror Universal, uh, find us at every so- 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 social media. On Twitter, Terror Universal Official. Uh, on Facebook, obviously, um, uh, Reverb Nation, TerrorUniversal.com. And uh, every other creepy corner that you can think <laughs> of. And then uh, I always like to end these episodes with a song. So, what would you like us to play the episode out to? From the album? Uh, it can be the album, or it can be any. Like, it could even be a song that you've been like jamming nonstop in your your travels. You know, just listening to Black and just and just, from just for Metallica. Okay. So let's let's let's. Let's step out with Black and do you have a fucking song heavy fuck? Do you have a memory of when you had first heard that song or it's just a fucking great song, you know? It's a it's one of the bands that it's funny, you know. Going back just talking about instead of wrapping it up, but talking about Metallica, you know, I remember when that came out and people were listening to like clean guitars <laughs> come in. You know. If if you did, if any other band did that besides Metallica they would get so much shit for it. They would be like, fuck these guys, they fucking sold out. Oh, they, you know, they got so soft. But when Metallica did it, it was like everyone just shut their fucking face, you know? I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Cool cool intro with fucking clean guitars. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody has shit to say because what was coming after that was a fucking chainsaw to the face, you know what I mean? It's it's funny to, to think of a lot of bands kind of throwing their fans a curveball like that. And... You know, I'm one of those strong proponents of, like, you know, I'm doing a, a Deftones discography discussion with uh, Fallon from X Kitty, and, you know, I, granted we have the hindsight to sit there and go like, oh, when we're on like adrenaline, like talking about stuff from Diamond Eyes or whatever, like we have that ability now, but, you know, and something that we keep brought bringing up, and I think like Metallica is a great example as well. Everyone always seems so surprised when a band quote-unquote deviate so hard from something but it's like a lot of times if you're really paying attention to the little nuances of, of what a band's doing there's usually always at least a sign that this thing was coming and i mean i'm not necessarily as well versed in, in metallica uh songs as i am other bands but it's it's always kind of interesting like i know that was a, a song that a lot of people have always said like oh you know th- this band fucking sold out because they have like clean guitars on this and shit like that they're not a thrash band anymore and it's like sometimes isn't the most like punk or thrash thing to do like the thing people don't expect you to do exactly well oh, it's not it's just be able to do something but it's not accepted right and then you make it accepted that's why a lot of bands a lot of people talk shit about Metallica but if it wasn't for that band metal wouldn't be where it's at today no well, I'm going to go ahead and let you get back to your evening. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me tonight and uh, looking thank you forward for, thank to... Thank you, brother, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time we play Michigan, uh, whatever city you're from. So that was my chat with Dave Shavari of Terra Universal. 
it was pretty cool to listen to how he came up with the concept of the band and the idea of masks, as well as performing for the first time in the in those masks. Um, something I don't think a lot of people think of is is how much of your identity, like like Dave was saying, kind of goes away when you put on a mask, and how hard it is to read your bandmates when a part's happening. Uh, I know for me, when I go see a lot of shows, something that I enjoy is kind of seeing the interaction between band members. Maybe maybe there's a little bit of a flub uh, and someone may look back at the drummer or whatever and kind of give the uh, oh shit look uh, to them. Or, you know, just, just the general interactions between band members as a whole. It's, it's fun to watch people have fun. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of times if you've potentially never even been on stage, uh, you know, because I've made reference quite a bit to the fact that I've been in a band and I played shows and so forth. And, you know, something I don't think I've really ever spoken on is the fact that when you're on a stage and you're performing yourself, just the difference of what it's like being on there, you know, like I, I'm one of those people, I think I made mention in this about, you know, the stage lighting being very hot. And it's one of those things where, uh, I'm a typically very hot by nature. Uh, I would, you know, much rather be cold since I'm always so warm. Uh, but it's one of those things that I remember being quite shocked at how hot it was on stage, even if I wasn't moving around a whole lot to the point where typically within a song or two, I would have to like take off my shirt or something. And I typically played in just shorts more or less because uh, of how hot it would get for me on stage. Uh, I remember a random person coming up to me after a show in a church in the middle of summer where the windows wouldn't work. And it turned into a thing where I just was sweating so bad uh, as was any band and most of the people in attendance. And this, uh, this young lady came up to me to give me a hug to tell me how great the set was <laughs> and I was just covered in sweat and I hate the feeling of sweaty bodies on sweaty bodies. Um, and I was just like, I wouldn't touch me if I were you. And then she just gave me this gross sweaty hug and it just made me very aware of how sweaty I was. And, uh, yeah. So stage lighting and all that kind of stuff can get really hot. So, um, but back to the point of, you know, being on stage, being a performer, it's, it's kind of a completely different perspective of being on a stage and just, you know, when you're up there with the three, four or five people that you're in a band with, uh, it's, it's kind of its own animal. Um, you know, when you're up there and you're jamming and you're sharing a moment, um, it's just, it's a, a different environment. And I think, uh, as a result of seeing so many of my friends bands playing in the short time, I got to play shows and so forth. They just kind of, learn to, to pay attention to, to the performers themselves uh, and notice these these kind of little moments between each other that make to me the show of going to see a live show so much so much more special than just listening to a CD um, so it, it was kind of interesting to, to hear Dave kind of talk about how you know with the mass it's a little bit harder to kind of read each other uh, while you're on stage. You can find Terror Universal's debut album, Make Them Bleed, out now on Minus Head Records, wherever you listen to music, be it Apple iTunes, Spotify. I'm sure it's available somewhere on uh, YouTube as well, at least a couple of songs, I think, that they had pre put out previously. Really cool to hear that there is going to be touring plans. Uh, I know with a lot of bands that have other bands, the secondary band usually kind of doesn't really get a whole lot of time to actually make their presence known on a live scale. So it's really cool to hear that uh, throughout most of this year that Terror Universal will be active. Uh, as you heard Dave say, they will be pretty much touring from uh, 
March until basically October. So uh, hitting up the European festival circuit, it sounds like, as well as doing those two back-to-back U.S. runs and uh, anything in between. So the interesting thing, though, about a band like this, uh, obviously with Il Nino being Dave's main band, I would definitely say that if you have any interest in seeing this band, to please go out and support the band, uh, buy merch, so on and so forth. Uh, interestingly enough, Fall Out Boy just announced a headlining run here in the States, and the only direct support that's on the whole tour is is Machine Gun Kelly and it's one of those things where a lot of support bands between Gym Class Heroes, Every Time I Die and a few others have been announced as well on select dates and the interesting thing is as I can't help but think that you know, basically between Keith and Joe and Andy uh, from Fall Out Boy, there's about three fifths of the damn things and while I know they've been recording a new EP, I'm very happy to have seen the band three or four times when they did the short little show run of shows that they did uh, a handful of years ago. And so it's one of those things where I've definitely have learned that if you are interested in a band that has members of other bands in it, that in the brief window that you have to see them, you should do such as opposed to being like, man, I really wish I could go because it could be another three, four or five years before a, that band uh, is able to carve out some time to go hit the road. So uh, if you are a fan of Terror Universal, go out, support the band. Uh, you can also support the band by following their socials. You can do such at on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Terror Universal Official. Uh, if you would like to follow Dave himself, you can do such on Instagram at Ill, I-L-L, Dave Shivari, that's C-H-A-V-A-R-R-I. And you can also find him on that handle on Twitter as well. If you would like to follow Mosh Pit Nation, our partner of the podcast, you can do such at Mosh Pit Nation West, capital M-I, on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter are just Mosh Pit Nation, and you can go to the website at moshpitnation.com and get all kinds of great stuff over there. You can find this podcast housed over there. You can find reviews of upcoming albums, as well as just kind of some going-ons uh, around the Michigan area metal scene as well. Um, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Johnson's Title Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Johnson Title Pod, and you can email me at johnsontitlepod at gmail.com. Going to kind of wrap this episode up with two songs. Uh, I know Dave ended up saying to play the song out to Metallica's Blackened, which I will be, but also wanted to play a Terror Universal song because I tend to find that uh, with some of these newer bands, if you're not really aware who they are, maybe you don't go actively out and seek the music. So going to play a song of theirs as well, and I will be playing out their song make them bleed the title track off the debut album make them bleed so without further ado this is going to be metallica blackened into terror universal make them bleed talk to you next week
Yeah. 